You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. And Jameis to air it out. Looking forward to Sean Jackson. And it's intercepted by BWF. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, doesn't it feel like we've just spent a year of our life in the last week? Absolutely. I think I've – yep. <laughs> I I don't know. It feels like I've talked a lot of football in the past six days, like more so than usual. Even though I've been a little bit less active on Twitter, it's just been like people pulling me aside at work and talking to me and you know getting texts and kind of answering things. It, it feels like a whole season just got crammed into a week. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get the same feeling. You know, Saturday night at seven o'clock, I had two different starting quarterbacks in my college and pro teams, and now I have two different ones. So um, it's been really cool. Like a lot of people on Twitter have been kind of reaching out, getting our opinions and stuff. And you know, some shout outs. RomoCop74, if you're listening, we appreciate uh, the good words you say for us. You know, it's always appreciated. And for you know all the guys that are out there, you know we uh, we love interacting with you. So you know, listen to the show. We appreciate it. Hit me up on Twitter at the Cranky Fan, and we'll talk giant football all night. Yeah, absolutely. If you have any questions too, I mean, you don't just have to like say like, "Oh, good, good podcast," or you know, well, you can say that. We really like yeah, that. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> if you want to clarify, if we weren't clear on something, or if you just something we didn't bring up on the show, by all means, we're on. Twitter for anything. I mean, there's only so much we can talk about. You know, I can't talk to the cranky fan all fucking day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dream of many achieved by few. So. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> but yeah, I appreciate that at the football uh, at football underscore grump. Um, can find me there, and uh, you're on Twitter as well. You already said that, so. But but really, uh, it means a lot. Every every little comment, every little DM. It it really is nice. Yeah, appreciated. Um, that said, continuing on, you know, kind of the topic of of the week. It, it's crazy. It's it's only Thursday. I mean, like I trying to prepare for this. You know, the injury list isn't even fully done because we still have a whole other day of practice. But it, it feels like a lot talking about Daniel Jones again. But it, it, it's a crazy thing, Grump, because for a team that's been really bad for the last several years and a quarterback that everybody for the last couple of years has said is among the worst starters in the league, how the fact that they bench him has become this the biggest story in the NFL for the last you know week. I mean, we're not talking about uh, certain wide receivers who are you know trouble. We're not talking about the, the Patriots or anything. Everybody's been talking about it. it's been Daniel Jones 24-7. And I think that the um, the Eli conversation has been mostly, you know, respectful. Some of some of his biggest detractors, you know, had only nice things to say about his entire career, and it goes to show that the criticism was strictly football related. Uh, you know, it was not ill will or anything like that. People just want to see their team win, and felt that Eli was a hindrance at this point. So, yeah, you know, yeah. we didn't do like an in memoriam for Eli, nor do I think it's really necessary. It's only week two. I mean, he's week three. Sorry. But I mean, there's still a chance that we see Eli, a decent chance, I would say, we see Eli again this season. 
you know, we'll oh. save our in memoriam for his actual retirement. Oh, believe me, I think I put it on Twitter a couple of days ago that I would not be shocked if Eli is starting a game later on in the season, whether, you know, God forbid Daniel Jones gets hurt or he's a rookie. There's a chance he may be really awful and he needs to sit for a period of time. Yeah. You know, some some quarterbacks. Remember, we're talking about a situation which really. Ten years ago, hardly ever happened. Throwing a starting quarterback, you know, a, a rookie into the mix and saying you're starting, especially on a team that, you know, quite honestly stinks. Yeah, not very good. And, and, and the results were pretty bad. I mean, everybody remembers when Peyton Manning started right away. He was he and the Colts were god awful. So it's I know that's the way it is now, especially with the rookie cap and everything and how you want to maximize those years of cheapness from a quarterback. So that's maybe one reason they throw him in, but you know, when you bring a guy in Expect a learning curve and expect bumpiness. So we'll see. Yeah. So so what do you expect from Daniel Jones in this game particularly? You know, a lot of people have been saying, you know, I think we're going to see a different playbook from Pat Shermer. He'll open up his playbook. I disagree. I think this is going to be the Saquon Barkley show. I think you're going to see a career high in attempts. I think you're going to see a lot of Daniel Jones. What he is going to throw is going to be short stuff. I don't think. I don't think honestly. If you look at a, this is my prediction, a play chart of what happens on this Sunday from the previous couple of weeks. You know the amount of passes, the distance of the passes thrown in the year. I don't think it's going to be that much different. A, they want to get Daniel Jones' feet wet, and B, he still really has nobody to throw to. Now, Grump's going to get to the injury report shortly, and it's going to be a little better picture than last week against Buffalo. But still, he has a little bit of his hands tied of who his options are to throw downfield. So I think you're going to see a similar play call as you did before, but I think you'll see more run-heavy and more Barkley-heavy. Yeah, and uh, I absolutely agree with that. But also, I think what we're going to see is a lot of scripted shit here. I think that maybe there's going to be some time, extra time spent this week between Shermer and Shula and perhaps Jones sitting around and really scripting out drives. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, a lot of what Eli does at the line of scrimmage is not something that a lot of other quarterbacks do. But, you know, with Daniel Jones, you know, his, his time in the preseason was spent on one to two look reads. You know, he would. If those reads were not there, he's going to his third look or whatever. But a lot of his stuff seemed very, very easy, and that that sounds bad. What I'm saying is he wasn't given anything that they didn't Simplified. think he could handle. Yes. Simplified. And I, I think you're going to see a lot more of that. There's going to be – you know, they're not going to throw the game on him to win. A lot of leaning on Barkley and a lot of scripted plays. Uh, I, I think you might see different plays than what we've seen from uh, – what what Shermer has handed to Eli you might see different plays, and you might interpret that as opening up the playbook. But I think it's going to be a smidgen of the playbook. It's going to be really simplified versions of everything. You might see a complex play in there a little bit, but for the most part, I think you're not going to see 100 percent of Pat Shermer's playbook. And yeah, and part it would and be part very is- impressive if they if he was able to process that. And part of that also is because of the receivers he has to work with too. I mean, sure, yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna have guys like. 
TJ Jones going out there and saying, here's the playbook. You should know it by now. I mean, they have to simplify it on that side as well. So, yeah. And also, you know, what has he been working on? We, we, you know, my big, you know, diatribe of this whole off season beginning was, well, when he's ready to play. So we don't know what he's been spoon fed and maybe he's just been spoon fed, you know, a subset of the playbook and let's go out there and trot it out again. The goal Number one goal going forward the rest of the season, I don't think, is to win every game. I think it's the development of this team in mass. So we're going to be looking for you know progression and getting his feet wet and getting comfortable, absorbing more of the playbook week by week by week. And that might be the sacrifice of some wins and losses early on. And and, and that's okay. Yeah. And you know something. And you, as Giant fan, this is what you wanted. This is all we heard for the last. Week and a half, two weeks. Get Eli out of there. Get Jones in. Here he is. So I don't want to hear people bitching and moaning if he lays an egg because that's not what this is about right now. I'm already expecting the contingent of people who are going to say that Jones wasn't their guy, you know, come first dumb decision or whatever. So, you know, the circus will always be in town at a certain level. Um, the important thing is that it stays with the people who don't know what they're talking about. This is going to be interesting this weekend, Grump, because uh, Grump and I will be at the game in Tampa. We're flying down tomorrow. It's a Cranky Fan Rivalry Weekend where we settle all accounts. And you know, part three of that is Giants-Bucks. And I'm interested what the traveling Giant crowd is going to be like. You know, are we going to see a lot of Eli jerseys? Are we going to see a lot of Daniel Jones jerseys? Are we going to see the bravado of the of the traveling giant fan that we did? Are we going to see a patient away fan base? Are we going to see them just talking shit with all the Bucks fans? So I really don't know what this fan base who's going to be there because there's going to be a lot of blue in that stadium. We grew up and I, I think this is our third or fourth time we've seen the Bucks. Uh, the Giants play down in Tampa together, and I've been there probably about six or seven times. I think this is our fourth time. This might be our fourth time, just the way the schedule has worked out. And uh, there's a lot of Giant fans. A lot of Giant fans live in the, in the Tampa Bay area. A lot of them will fly down. It's a quick, easy flight. Um, and the Bucks, quite frankly, have been pretty bad the last decade, so you're not getting those sellouts every single week where you're going to see red and pewter. So I'm I'm very curious of how this – you know the fans that are there, and if that's a, a real reflection of what the people watching it, you know, the bar in Jersey or the bar in Long Island are, are reacting as well. Speaking of the fan, um, biggest news kind of of the day today is that the Giants have canceled their, um, I guess it's weekly spot on Mike Francesa's show where Pat Shermer would go on and get yelled at for an hour and then. That was pretty much it. Um, you know, look, I don't even like wasting my breath talking about Mike Francesa. There, th- his time was iconic in in a, in a local sports. You know, set the bar for local sports radio, and that is something that I think literally goes down in history. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, fluffing him up or anything like that. that that's, in my opinion, a fact. But um, that time is past. I mean, we live in the age of the internet. Nobody cares about local sports radio, and quite frankly, I don't think he knows a whole lot about what he's talking about. And um, you know, that's fine to, to me. You know, and, and you've made this point a million times. Mike Francesa is entertainment. He's not 
informative. He's not, you know, his job is to sell, and that's fine. But to me, there's a distinction between him having a show, which he, I don't have a problem with him having a show. But there's a difference between that and having a quote unquote interview in which he asks no questions and just gives his opinion. Pat Shermer doesn't need to show up to be accountable for all things Giants, you know, and not even have a chance to answer for it or anything. So, you know, I say good riddance. I don't give a shit about Mike Francesa. I don't give a shit about his show and I don't give a shit about his opinion. Um, And, you know, it's one less thing Pat Shermer A has to worry about, B has to, you know, answer to I mean he let him just focus on his job and not pleasing some loudmouth who doesn't really know what he's talking about yeah I mean there's a lot of things you can talk about this with where the impact of the Mike Francesca show and the fan and sports radio is not what it was 10 years ago I mean everybody who's listening to the show is listening to a podcast as opposed to listening to local or national sports radio I mean, sports radio did so much to revolutionize, you know, hearing, not only hearing opinions, but getting information. I mean, you, if you read a columnist or you read a beat writer, you got a chance to hear him being interviewed. So you learned a lot. It was interesting to get a temperature check on what your fellow fans were, you know, thinking about, you know, before and after a game. But in this day and age where instead of having the local host who has it, has to have a comment and be, educated on not only all the local teams, and then we're talking in a market with 12 pro teams, also has to know about the rest of the league and all the sports, combined with the fact of a guy who's an advancing in his age and also just probably doesn't have that drive and has shtick, it's not an interview show anymore. The Giants really have nothing to gain by having any of their people on these things. You know, I know there's obligations because the fan is the flagship network for radio for the Giants. But this is not even a show that Pat Shermer got paid to do. And sports, and I've said this a few times before, is the entertainment business as well. And they are trying to sell tickets, sell advertising, sell sponsorships, sell everything. And there's no reason to go up there and take a public grilling for someone who's just basically having his opinion. And that's his stick right now is blasting. When, when a team in New York is bad, Mike Frances is there to blast. He blasts the Jets. He blasts the Knicks. He'll blast the Mets. Now he'll blast the Giants. That's his thing. Why should the Giants have their reputation damaged? Not necessarily by the people who listen to his show, but for every one person who listens to his show, 10 people have heard on Twitter and social media, Francesa blasts the Giants. So to me, it's just like, you know, good riddance. There's a, Giants have their own way of communicating. They have their own social media. They have tons and tons of fans who will talk about the Giants. This program itself is, an, by extension, kind of propaganda for the Giants because we are talking about them. Now, we might always be complimentary, but it's a way to, you know, have their brand be spread in more places than in sports radio. So everybody who thinks, oh, this was a bad move by the Giants, they're afraid of Francesa. This is a guy who's, you know, he's been basically neutered from his power, what he had in the 90s when he was at the Mad Dog and even by himself. So, you know, who cares if he's on or not? I, 
I mean, as it is, I think there's only a small contingent of people that even listen to the show anyway. Um, so, or, or even care about Mike Francesa's opinion. You know, he doesn't have to answer to him. You know, he'll always have to answer to the fans anyway. It's not like he's really hiding from the criticism. It's, it, this guy faces the music every time. Beat reporters still go to him. There are still interviews with this guy. Those are interviews. Except those actually – they actually have questions and he actually has to answer for them. Or he can plead the fifth and that gets reported as well and it looks just as bad as it looks like any time someone mm-hmm. pleads the fifth. So it's not as if he's actually going into hiding just because he's not on some shithead show that quite frankly was popular, is kind of popular but not really anymore. I mean – when, when when Jordan Rainon posts something on Twitter, part of his it, it's within seconds of him asking it. You know, yeah, you can count the seconds from when the the question was asked, the video was filmed, to when it was tweeted out to the public. You know, the wait for some stupid show later, Mike Francesa, where we've already heard this criticism from everybody else. For well, that's days. the thing is, he's not he's not interviewing. He's just going in there. He's like, you know, this team stinks. This team stinks. He's not there to yeah, yeah. get any information out of Shermer. I mean, when was the last time you ever heard a coach's show on radio or a player show and you actually learn something? You don't. They're all basically – usually they're fluff pieces where – the host's job is to pump up the brand because they, you know, it's part of their product on their, you know, TV or radio station. I mean, I know college coaches shows were notorious for that. You know, it's just like they lost sixty-five nothing, but the only highlights you're going to see are the ones that were <laughs> ones they made. So it's when those shows stop becoming actual interview shows and more just taking a browbeating because Francesca thinks he's the voice of the fan. I mean, that's why you hear a lot of these dummies, you know, at, at the game or dummies on Twitter because they're they hear it's where they get their information from. And, you know, the, the low IQ, the low information fans going to get it from the prehistoric places like sports radio, radio, the newspaper. I mean, those are things that kind of augment where you get all your information. But if that's where you're, all you're getting. You become my dad. Which just regurgitates yeah, really. what he reads in the paper. Yeah, and no offense, quite dad. Frankly, my yeah, my dad comes to me for you know what do you think about this? You know what I mean? Because he knows I'm more in tune with what's going on. You know, he he knows that he just read it in the paper. You know, but we're also talking we're also talking about men in their mid seventies that yeah. you know that's what they did all their life, and we've had a revolution with information in the last. You know, twenty years where you no longer are spoon-fed what the information is to you. You can actively go out and get information as broad or specific as you want. Again, you're listening to a New York Giants-specific podcast. If you did a search on anything on whatever you do, your you subscribe to, you will find fifty thousand shows about fifty thousand different topics. That's the beauty of this. None as good as of this. Of course one. not. No, so make sure you have a five star rating and a happy review. Yep. But my point is that you can get the, you can get what information you want, but you have to actually go out there and get it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I. I don't fucking care. I, I. I thought it was a waste of time when Ben McAdoo did it. I thought it was a waste. I mean, you know. The point is the point is Grump that it's being made into a story and a big deal when, in the grand scheme of things, it's not. So don't. Don't make any. Don't have any other opinion about 
the Giants, Gettleman, Shermer, Eli, anybody who does or doesn't do a show, it doesn't mean anything. It's no reflection no. of are the Giants scared or are the Giants panicking or they want to control their message. At the end of the day, that doesn't mean anything. This team will be judged on the end of the day. Do they win or do they lose? Are they in the right direction or wrong direction? This, you know, Francesa will be where he'll he'll spray paint his hair blue if this team is going to the Super Bowl because he'll do whatever he can for ratings. So just just remember that. Yeah, I I think it is and it isn't a big story, right? It, it's not because this doesn't matter. It's not important. Francesa doesn't mean shit. Um, he doesn't speak for anybody. Um, but it is to me a big deal because it's all part. Like, look, this is a new Giants. It's a new everything. We've got a new GM. We've got new coaches. We've got a new fucking quarterback. Everything is new now. There's nothing. There no ties anymore. There's no like get get used to it. Things are going to change. And while that change is starting, it's going to look ugly and it's going to be worse. I mean, if anybody thinks. Things are worse now than they were before. Then that means the direction and the implementation of the rebuild is not working. They don't know what they're doing. That's incorrect. You have to look with your eyes and look for the things that are getting better. So when you see blanket statements that are being tossed around by the Francesca of the world, you know the the Colin Cowherds of the world. The Stephen A. Smiths, you know, the 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 Skip Bayless is just the the hot take artists that are out there, which all of a sudden now, you know, unfortunately, most of this population takes as gospel. You know, watch a game with your own eyes and see, you know, why is this team the way it is? What are you seeing that's improving? Look, I have a lot more respect for anybody who watches the game, doesn't listen to anything, and tells me his wrong opinion on why things are going bad than somebody who kind of tuned in but was really interested in making chips and dip at the same time and you know had a bathroom break in there and you know answered a couple texts but then listened to Francesa and decided that that's how it goes and is wrong you know what i mean right and just re- just regurgitates a hot take they heard without really making the opinion based on themselves yeah. that's that's what we wanted people to do is have an opinion Think. based on what you see Think Not for on yourself. what you heard somebody tell you what happened. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Except for us, of course. You can regurgitate us any day you I want. I mean, you can tell me I'm wrong, too. We'll get into it. You might prove me wrong. That's fine. I'm okay with being wrong. It happens. Yeah. Um, that's, I guess, the entire difference between me and Francesa. That and about 250 pounds. And, uh, yeah, I'm, mu- I'm much better. Better hair than you, but oh. it's okay. See, I got a better face. <laughs> Face made for radio, my friends. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, you know, I, I could care less about that. I don't want to talk about it ever again. It's fine. If if that show gets re-upped and they decide to do that going forward, we'll bring it up again, I guess, maybe. But otherwise, I'm done with it. I don't care. I, I, the man's not worth my breath. However, injuries are a big problem and a big, big part of my breath. You know, uh <laughs> And and when it comes to you know if Eli were playing you know it's not about making excuses I just have less to worry about because he has played with so little throughout his his life I know how he deals with adversity I know how he deals with taking blame and not giving it out you know Daniel Jones is a new guy and he could use all the help he can get and it's it's a shame that he is without Golden Tate that is without question it's very likely he's out without Cody Latimer 
due to a a concussion. It's somewhat likely that Benny Fowler is out. He aggravated a hamstring in Wednesday's practice. I do not believe he practiced today, Thursday. Um, Darius Slayton is trying to make his way back from a hamstring injury. There's a chance he plays. I still think that because he's young, because it's early, you know, because of the nature of a nagging injury like that, I think they still hold off at least one more week with him. You know, that doesn't leave Daniel Jones with much. Fortunately, Kevin Zeitler, who had a shoulder injury and did not practice on – what the hell was yesterday? Wednesday? Did yes. not practice Wednesday. Looks like he practiced today and seems like he's fine for Sunday. And also, fortunately, looks like Sterling Shepard is a go. He's packed his concussion protocol. Um and as of right now, nothing is hindering him from playing on Sunday. Those are the positives and negatives. Obviously, you know, it's great to have Sterling Shepard, but then when your next best guy is TJ Jones and Russell Shepard at wide receiver and uh, I guess Cody Core, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's, it doesn't – I mean uh, – Well, Evan Ingram. I, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't want to leave out Evan Ingram, Rhett Ellison either. But, mm-hmm. um, and and for, for what it's worth, Saquon Barkley. So, so. – Take the, all these things into account when all of a sudden you are amazed how the quote-unquote full Shermer playbook is not brought into effect on Sunday. We're dealing with a quarterback in his first NFL start, first meaningful snaps in the NFL, with you know not 52 cards in the deck right now. On the road. On the road. It's a pretty – a defense has played pretty well this year so far. It's a good defense. Um, but they will be without Devin White, I think. He was dealing with a knee injury. He hasn't practiced yet. Um, you know, really, really dynamic player from LSU. Uh, I seriously doubt he plays. So I, I don't think he's been declared out yet. So I don't want to say he is out. But um, I mean, that that is a minor help, not having to face Devin White because he is a smart linebacker and also really athletic. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, Jameis Winston is also dealing with a foot injury. Um, you know, he's kind of iffy as it is when he's fully healthy in terms of how well he plays. I think a lot of the game is is mental for him. No, I'm sorry, a lot of the struggle is mental for him. Um, he's he, he's got a problem a lot like Eli, where he is turnover prone. Yeah, he just he's a decision maker. Yeah, issue. yeah. Um. I think the difference between Eli and Winston in that is that if Eli throws three picks, the next time he goes out on the on the field, it means nothing to him. It's a clean slate. I'm not sure that Jameis Winston has that mental fortitude to just wipe it from his mind. Mm-hmm. You agree with that? I agree. I, I I agree with that as well. I think uh, you know they brought in uh, Bruce Arians and they brought in uh, Brian Leftwich to specifically. You know, part of the job description was fix this guy. You know, I mean, this is a guy who was benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick last year. Yeah, I mean, remember he was the number one overall pick in the draft. This is his fifth year. He's coming up on a new contract. Uh, you know, it's as much a team ego thing as it is performance to not re-sign the number one pick to his next contract. So they're going to do everything they can to rehabilitate him and get him functional so they can re-sign him. I mean, granted, he's not going to go for an insane contract like some other you know, more successful guys that are his peers, but you like to have continuality with your quarterbacks. Yeah. And if they can kind of develop something, you know, this year with, you know, 
he's had absolutely atrocious coaching down in Tampa Bay since he's been there. And I can't believe I'm being a Jameis apologist right now, but it is it is true. They haven't had a good coach since Gruden. And we're talking – that's a long time ago. Yeah. That's what, 2008? Yeah. I mean I think – and Buck fans, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I believe this is his fifth offensive coordinator in five years. Did I hear that this week? That's 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 unacceptable. I'm that's sorry. Right. Yeah. That, uh, I don't care with, who With a are. rookie quarterback, you need some continuity with him. Right. Right, so they are going to do everything they can to, you know, coach this guy up and kind of you know clean up the mess that's been left behind by inferior coaching. So, I mean, I, what does that mean for week three? Who knows? But you know, that's kind of what their you know, medium and longer term view is. The Bucks. Who by the who by the, who by the way right now, if you look at the NFC South, that's a very Strange division in flux right now. Well, now with Drew Brees down, yeah, exactly. You know, and Cam Newton is kind of a mess right now. Uh, Atlanta's Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, this is a team that really could win the division this year. Yeah, I doubt that, but I think they yeah. definitely could. I mean, a, I think the NFC South can have three teams in the playoffs. It's happened a couple of times in the past, like a couple of years. Um, and B, I I think the Bucks can be number two and get into the playoffs anyway. I was going to say this is a division that can have three teams make the playoffs. Also, going to have a division winner that's eight and eight. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. So, how did the Giants win this game with a rookie quarterback on the road? Um, and my number one thing is going to be defense. The pass rush. It's got to show up this week. The Giants have put out no amount of tape that suggests that any team should run the ball against them. They've had Elliott and Singletary mostly in check while receivers are so open they could be out of the country by the time a defender is near them. <laughs> the upside, though, is that Winston is idiot-prone, I guess, uh, when under pressure. And he has a foot injury that's hampering his movement, and the Tampa O-line has had some issues protecting him so far this year. The rush has to get there this week to minimize Jones' workload. The defense has to help the offense this week. They cannot be the liability that they've been if they want to win this game. Looking at temperatures, upper 80s to close to 90 down there on Sunday. It's not, It's going to be warm but not unbearably hot, which thank God for us because we'll be at two football games this weekend and I don't want to get a heat stroke. But, uh, so that shouldn't be as much of an impact as it could potentially be. Um, the stat of the day, and I'm not a big trends person over long periods of time, but in their last 11 games facing a rookie quarterback, the Bucks are one in ten. Oof. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of trend things like that because every year it's totally different. Every year is totally different. That one in 11 can go back over several coaching staffs and, and over personnel, but it is out there that you know tr- traditionally they've struggled against rookie quarterbacks. So. I'm not, not sure I'm going to Vegas based on just that information, but it's just something to uh, something just to keep in the back of your mind. You know, that being said about the pass rush, the, some of the matchups I really want to watch is Janoris Jenkins versus Mike Evans. You know, Jenkins, for all his ups and downs, tends to do really well with the big physical receivers that don't have a ton of speed, and that's exactly what Evans is. His quickness and his his feistiness and press coverage gives him actually an advantage against 
those kinds of guys, the Des Bryant type guys, they they struggle against Norris Jenkins. So if they shadow him across the field with Norris Jenkins, that might end up being a matchup advantage for the Giants. Um, and the other thing is going to be if these linebackers and or safety can cover OJ Howard. Um, he's that not having a real. He's not having a very good year this year so far. And there, I, I, I saw some quotes from Arians about you know that he hasn't been what they've kind of wanted so far. So that could also be you know fixed really quickly when you're facing this Giants defense that traditionally has big problems exactly. with tight ends. That's that's my point there. Um facing the Giants tight ends is a whole other ball game. Um Yeah. You know, we just we can't seem to cover an 80-year-old man. So let's let's go back for a second to Janoris Jenkins because this I think is a very very important game for Janoris Jenkins. Janoris Jenkins Called out the pass rush after last week's game. Janoris Jenkins didn't play all that well last week. Janoris Jenkins has a history of not having his foot on the gas when the situation goes south. And, you know, the spotlight's on him this week to step up and be an anchor in the secondary, especially with all the problems that, uh, you know, Baker's had on the other side and everything. And just a general mess and confusion the secondary's been. If he has a shitty game this week, I'm a little worried that he's going to go down that slope again, which I well, thought he was the last. You, you know why I'm you know why I'm not worried because at this point, this management has said that this year is the year that we're tearing it down all the way. They are going to get. I mean, they benched Eli at week three. Week three, they are prepared to lose the season if necessary to get shit right. That's what this is telling me so far this year. So if that means, look, Janoris Jenkins, we love you, but you're not there when we need you, goodbye. I, I'm not surprised if that happens. And th- th- goodbye could just mean ride the bench. I mean, shit, if it's let the young guys play and screw up, why the fuck not? Throw Corey Ballantyne out there. Throw Julian Love out there. Maybe Sam Beal coming back at some point. I mean, he's on the IR designated to return, but you know, maybe it's his turn when he comes. You know what I mean? So A, am I worried? Yes, for the win-loss. B, am I worried for the overall composure of anything no i don't care it doesn't matter to me let me ask you something grump conspiracy cranky fan here is asking was uh janoris jenkins you know calling out the um the pastor last week the first step in his plan to get himself taken off this team in a trade yeah i mean maybe i'm not saying it maybe it may not be the most you know well thought out and executed plan but uh I was going to say it seemed very off the top of the head. His his answer to the question in which he called them out, quote unquote, um, was we, simply saying that I can't cover anybody for ten seconds. You know, the pass rush has to get there. Let's go back to last year. Uh, well, yeah. Okay. Landon Collins made the comment: "This team doesn't like people who speak out," and they got rid of all of us who do. Yes. However, they didn't get rid of him in the middle of the year when they would have had trade offers for him, and apparently did have trade offers for him. Mm-hmm. Which would have been th- – th- those trade offers, if they were real, I'm sure were more than what they would get in return for Jenkins. Different situation though. They were not honest with themselves that the rebuild was on then. It may not have been the full effect as it is now too. Eh, I guess so. I, I I mean I understand. But it seemed not well thought out the way it happened. That seemed like authentic Norris. He's me. also a dumbass too. <laughs> so that's, that's my point. Yeah. yeah. Um. Real quick, we, we kind of went over it, but moving the ball against this defense is going to be hard. I just want to preface that for for Giants fans. Todd Bowles, for whatever you might th- 
think as a bad head coach for the Jets is actually a very, very good defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a lot to play with there. And, uh, you know, leaning heavy on Barkley is never going to be a bad idea. I mean, that's kind of why you draft him so high. But Jones is going to have to s- stretch the field a little bit when he needs to. Where, where apparently Eli failed to. Um, so... Just if Jones stinks this game, what I'm trying to say is this is a good, this isn't a great defense, but it's got the parts to really make it tough for a rookie quarterback. This is no Miami that they're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, predictions, uh, I think the Giants lose. Yeah, um, but I do think that there are things that Giants fans come away with this game excited about. I think Jones actually doesn't do poorly. I think he makes some rookie things where it's very forgivable from the fan point of view, but he does enough that's impressive. I think he really does sling the ball downfield a little bit more. I think that he looks a little bit more natural in Shermer's system. And I don't mean overall. I mean spot plays, flashes, things to make people hopeful. And I think they actually score points because of it. Um, I think they might score late and make the score look close, like 24-17, but they're kind of mostly out of it. But again, it's about the little things that we see. It's not about the end result anymore. That's what I think. I think we're going to see some more things like moving the chains a bit. I think you're going to yeah. see less three and outs. I think may, it may not produce on the scoreboard. I think you're going to see things like field position being a little better and all of a sudden, as opposed to us punting from the 25 every single time, you might see us, you know, punting from the 45. And that does make a difference. You know, that all of a sudden you're using field position to your advantage. You know, the defense is a lot different when the opposing team is starting on the 10 yard line as voting starting from the 20 every time. So I think you might see things like first downs being picked up a little more. And a lot of that's because he can move around some. Now he's not Michael Vick, but he's also not an Eli statue either. So his ability maybe to extend a play a little bit and create a little something out of nothing, I think will be one of the most obvious things that we see. Now, something I really want to see is he's had three fumbles since he's, you know, in preseason and the early amount he played in the Dallas game too. Correct. Let's see what happens now when all of a sudden Dominic and Sue hits him. <laughs> yeah. When he starts seeing a little more exotic defenses thrown at him and game planned, you know, uh, defenses thrown at him. You know, things he's not expecting, a blindside hit. Is he going to have that same problem where, you know, the same problem that Eli has had, quite frankly, that as soon as he gets hit, expect the ball to come out. So we'll see. Yep. I'm expecting a loss also. Uh, you gave a prediction score? 24-17 Tampa. I am going to say 24 10 I think there'll be a touchdown in there somewhere, but I don't think it'll be in any time of any real competitiveness. Um, I think you will see, like you said, some flashes from Daniel Jones. I think you'll see some flashes, I think, from Saquon. I think Saquon's going to wow the crowd a little bit. Um, He's going to run the ball a lot. And, you know, no defense is that good to contain him that often. So I'll I'll go with with 24-10 and... uh, I think we'll see a little better job of the defense altogether. I don't think you're going to see this, the mass confusion. I think you're going to see it's starting to come together a little bit. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be 85 Bears and the greatest secondary of all time, but I think the amount of you know 
pain look you're going to have on the face is going to decrease a little bit. So that's kind of it for today. Um, we will be together in the same room for uh, Sunday night after the game. So, you know, there may there may not be a, an episode Monday morning that is, uh, you know, much more, I, I don't know, personal or whatever. It's a little bit easier when we're in the same room. So um, that that could happen. <laughs> we'll tape it for sure on Sunday night. Whether we have the technology to actually get it out onto your into your feeds is another yeah. story. But. Yeah, so so that's that's what's going on this weekend, um, and um, you know, as always, whether whether that episode is <laughs> available Monday or Tuesday, um, it will be available on SoundCloud, iTunes, you know, Podbean, Google Play, Spotify, you name it, it is there for you to listen to, and um, also on Twitter if you just choose whatever. So at Just Giants Pod. Yeah, you'll find me as always on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. Like I said before, a huge rivalry weekend. Going to see the mighty East Lake Eagle high school team play my arch rival Tarpon Springs Friday night. Saturday we'll be in Gainesville, Grump and I, for Florida, Tennessee, where we always like to beat those uh, toothless hicks. And on Sunday, of course, Giants Bucks, a big one for me. Yet to deal with all my friends from the Tampa Bay area. So, big weekend in store. Lots of football, lots of beer, lots of food. Yeah, I'm there so, for the alcohol and food for, mostly. Yeah, if our uh, if our voices sound a little shot for Sunday nights because we're getting old. Speak but for yourself. We'll still do it. I'm young in the <laughs> liver, my friend. Congrats. All right, everyone. We'll see you on Sunday. Go, Go Giants. Giants.